Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you can save. It's August 2nd. It's Thursday, Wednesday. Whoops, whatever. Wow. On field, he's Daniel. I'm still really bad at knowing what day or date it is. It's like we just started and you've already lost track of what we're doing here, Field. I don't well, it's like riding that. a bike. Me being terrible at knowing what day it is is something that I have been bad at for, I don't know, how many years have I been in the show now? Does, does Seven that mean or that eight? you're bad at riding a bike with that analogy? Uh, I could not ride a bike until I was like 13. Really? Yeah, it's a... Sort of sensitive subject. We can talk about it if you want, but uh, kind of scarring for my youth. I was a big rollerblading advocate. Oh, my gosh. Rollerblading is so much fun. I can't even fault you for that because I think rollerblading, you might get more exercise than bike riding. True. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I just, the problem was when you like can't ride a bike by 10 and everybody else is like speeding down like Dave Mira on the freeway, you're like... All right, well, rollerblades are just cooler than bike riding. I can actually ride a bike. I just don't do it because rollerblading is better. It's a good cardiovascular exercise. Every 10-year-old talks about cardiovascular benefits right? Uh, of rollerblading. So, yeah, Um, rollerblading for life. Uh, But now I'm a big biker. Now I bike. You know, you you put your kid. I got Kinley. You put her in the seat. You can get places much easier. She enjoys it. It's good for everybody. Uh, Everybody can learn. uh, Teach your kids how to ride a bike as soon as possible because it's embarrassing uh, when they can't. A big show you. today. Big show. <laughs> it's a very sensitive <laughs> subject, if you couldn't tell. Um, big show. Really big show. We had a huge show yesterday, Phil. Yeah, we talked about your quarterback yeah. tiers, which was, by the way, we're just trying to set the foundation so that people know when you're going to be out there drafting the people that are going to lead your fantasy team, yeah. here's kind of the groundwork for where we were at on quarterbacks. Go back and listen to that podcast excuse me if you did not catch it yesterday a lot of good information in there yeah so uh quarterbacks yesterday we'll do running backs today receivers tomorrow tight ends on friday uh if you are listening great you know where to find us already if you like to watch uh, if you're on if you're a youtube fan uh, and hopefully there are a lot of people watching on youtube we're doing our best to uh, continue to push people towards uh the youtube stuff on top of the podcast because there's a visual side of the show as well um but go to the espn nfl youtube page subscribe to it uh we are sort of we're moving towards the nfl espn nfl youtube page specifically Uh, so if you are a youtube advocate subscribe to it you will never miss a show Uh, hopefully you'll still find us regardless of which pages you subscribe to but uh, a lot of fun there we have a very active group chat uh, on the youtube we'll continue to be interactive with that youtube chat throughout the upcoming season uh, we have very little news, Daniel, but we do have some important news. What did we learn last night about Cooper Cup? Yeah, we saw that Cooper Cup left practice early with a hamstring injury field. Obviously, we know Cooper Cup also missed a lot of time last year. Yes. So now coming back from injury and then missing time early in training camp, do I need to be worried about that as a fantasy manager? Latest tweet from Adam Schefter, which was four hours ago. I think it was at like 6.31 a.m. So Shefty was probably having lunch. Um, <laughs> uh, he says Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup underwent an MRI on his hamstring. And while the team will be very... Very cautious with him. One source said he potentially could be back, quote, for scrimmages in a few weeks. So, Daniel, it sounds like this is probably like a significant injury avoided. Cooper Cup, my wide receiver, two, with a compelling case for wide receiver one going into this season. More than anything else, I want to remind people what this Rams team looks like if Cooper Cup is not available. Do we have to do this? No, trivia. (laughs) Can you name three receivers not named Cooper Cup on the Rams roster right now? Okay, I'm going to say one. Yep. Van Jefferson. Okay, you got one. There's one. I don't know how to say his last name, but I'm going to say Puka Nakao. That's good. A fifth-round pick this year at BYU. That's, That's a trendy fantasy football name this year. And outside of that... Mm. 
Does Tyler Higby count as a wide receiver yeah, yet? Yeah, he's a tight end, but I'll give it to you. Ugh. Whatever. Three pass catchers. Yeah, it's, it is as slim of a depth chart as there probably is. Seriously. Beyond the number one in the NFL right now. Uh, so just this is part of the slippery slope if you are for some reason, and we talked about him yesterday as a tier four quarterback, but if you're somehow optimistic about Matthew Stafford, you better Oof. be very careful because this is a team that uh, they are one Cooper Cup injury away from being a team that looks like they could be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Yes. And I'm talking about the 2024 NFL draft right now. I'm not altering my Cooper Cup ranking for right now. Um, the only thing that I would say about Cooper Cup is you mentioned how the Rams did not have him for a good chunk of last season. Yep. If you are looking for like small ways to differentiate between the very top of the wide receiver board, and you're trying to make the case against Cooper Cup in favor of, let's say you think Jamar Chase should be wide receiver too, or Tyree Kill, or maybe you think that uh, Justin Jefferson is clearly ahead of Cooper Cup. One of the best arguments, Daniel, is probably that if things don't go well for the Rams at the beginning of this season and something happens to Cooper Cup, they are going to take as much time as needed for Cooper Cup to get back because this is a team that probably is not incentivized to play towards the middle, right? Correct. Like you want to go towards the bottom to replenish what looks like the thinnest roster. And I'm not just talking about wide receivers in the entire NFL. They, but for now, no alteration on my Cooper Cup ranking. That's like the the Rams are the Ricky Bobby experience right now because they're, they're either trying to be first or last, yeah. right? With I, the way the things are working Daniel, out with their franchise. And, and they got a ring. I've, I've said yeah. that they are the best test of is it worth it to win a ring? Yep. They are the best test right now because as great as that ring is, most losses ever in a season following the Super Bowl, 5-12 and 12 last year, and I'm not sure it's getting any better this season, potentially not next season as well. All right, Phil, let's talk about these running back tiers. We mentioned it yesterday, yep. but just in case you did not listen to yesterday's podcast and not had a chance to check out the quarterbacks, when we're talking about tiers versus rankings, will yeah. be the last time we do this, why do we put people in tiers rather than just saying, Hey, this is a straight rankings based idea. It's just the next guy up. I'm going to take him. Yeah. Why do you like the tier so idea? We have to rank guys one through in the case of running back 60 in our preseason ranks. Cause yep. you do want to give you a sense of how we stack them on a board. But the truth is that many players are viewed very comparably. And as I said yesterday, player six on my running back board could be very similar to player seven. But the reason why tiers are effective is that the difference between six and seven could be very small. This the much. difference between seven and eight could be, could be pretty much. significant. So yep. I break them up into tiers to give you sort of a better picture of how I view guys. And in many cases, guys are kind of clustered together as opposed to clearly one versus two versus three, all the way down to number 60. We'll title the tiers today as well, because I do think it gives you a chance to sort of see how I value these players. Sure. All right, so let's jump right in field. Yeah. Tier one of the – hold on. How many tiers do we have here? One, I've two, got, three, four. I've got eight. And you eight could, tiers. I mean, you could make this 20 tiers. You could make this three tiers. I felt like eight was the right number to get us through about 40, 40 running backs because beyond 40, Daniel, a lot of those guys are, are dart throws. Yeah, exactly. So All let's right. start. Tier one of these eight. These guys are in the convo for 1.01. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's two players. It's Austin Eckler and it's CMC. And you actually – have Austin Eckler over Christian McCaffrey explain yourself. Yeah, pretty close, obviously, between these two players, the two best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. Eckler, over the past two seasons, has 38 touchdowns. He's a scoring machine, should be very busy in the passing game once again. If you're looking for a way to differentiate these two, here's what I would say. Behind Austin Eckler, 
once again, I'm not so certain the Chargers have a bunch of good options, right? If Austin Eckler is not available for them, it's not like I am going to the waiver wire, spending my entire budget and saying, I have myself a top 10 running back to replace Austin Eckler if he's unavailable. San Francisco has lots of depth. Yeah. As a matter of fact, not only do they have lots of depth, but their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, loves to play lots of running backs, specifically Elijah Mitchell. Really good player for them. He and CMC played four games together last season. Okay. Here's Christian McCaffrey's output in the four games with Elijah Mitchell. All right. 42 total carries, less than 11 per game. He had 18 catches. That's still good, but four and a half per game. It's not that's dominant, right? CMC. It's not elite, right? Yeah. Um, his finishes in those four games, RB13, RB15, RB44, and RB7. So three top 15 finishes. That's fine, right? But Christian McCaffrey, RB1 versus Christian McCaffrey, RB15, obviously hits differently. Elijah Mitchell had 39 carries in those games. So they were basically even as runners, Daniel. And San Francisco wants to play a 21-game season this year. They want to play in the Super Bowl. It makes sense for them to be a little bit more judicious with Christian McCaffrey than I think the Chargers can be with Austin Eckler. I have no problem with taking Christian McCaffrey ahead of Austin Eckler. You asked me for a reason why I chose him over CMC. There's my reason for taking Eckler over CMC. But there is zero problem. Neither one of us have a problem. If you want to take either one of these guys, 1.01, because you want to grab your running back, I think they both fit the bill, and there's going to be no issues with your roster construction. And some will say, like, maybe Eckler's passing game production dips a little bit this year because they're going to be more vertically oriented under Kellen Moore. If that's what it takes to dissuade you from taking him first amongst running backs, that's fine. I have Eckler one right there with CMC, who is a very strong number two. All right. That was a really easy tier field. Let's move into tier two. Let's talk about the elite RB ones. That's what this one is titled. Yep. Taking a look at these guys. We've got Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, yep. Josh Jacobs, yep. Jonathan Taylor, and Derek Henry. Mm. I guess my, the first thing I notice here is you've got Bijan, a rookie who has not played a single down in the NFL at the top of your tier two list field. Yeah, really close between him and Saquon Barkley. Those are the two players that I went back and forth on here, Daniel. So uh, the, the beautiful part of this is that Bijan Robinson's the best rookie running back since Saquon Barkley <laughs> back in right 2018. <laughs> uh, Saquon went second overall. Bijan goes eighth overall. The skill set outstanding for Bijan some similarities to Saquon coming out of Penn State Uh, not just an amazing runner between the tackles on the perimeter in space not in space an amazing receiver he's been making highlight routes so far during training camp that have been finding their way onto the X as well Um, and I'll use this calculus there are people that are going to be afraid of Bijan Robinson for two reasons one we've never seen it before Mm mm-hmm Two, over the past two seasons, the Falcons have used top eight picks on an awesome receiver in Drake London and an awesome tight end in Kyle Pitts. And neither one of those players has like been dominant, 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 right? Like London's going to be a really good player. Pitts had over a thousand yards as a rookie, but just one touchdown, not transcendent stars. Here's the thing. As a running back, it's the easiest position in the entire NFL to not just acclimate. So yep. I'm not worried about the fact that he hasn't done before. But also, like, if you can't get the ball to B. John Robinson, that's a coaching problem, right? So if the Falcons don't have B. John Robinson in the mix for the NFL's touch leader this season, 285, 295, maybe even well over 300, it would have to be more like 350, 350 375 yeah. to lead the NFL. But if he's not well over 300, to me, it's a misallocation of resources. You don't take a running back eighth overall 
to just let him be a 15 to 16 per game touch per game kind of guy. The Falcons should have Bijan Robinson squarely in the, in the mix and probably the front runner for NFL offensive rookie of the year before the season even begins. And who do they have under center? It's a second year quarterback that has a lot of question marks in Desmond Ritter. And I think if you're Arthur Smith, if you're trying to win this NFC South, which is a very winnable division right now, you want to be able to make sure that you're putting your running back and your quarterback and the rest of your offense in the best position possible. I think Bijan Robinson is going to be the guy that they are going to rely on. The Falcons were third yeah. in rushing last season, averaging almost 160 yards per game. That was with Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, yeah. and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, yeah, and they were the run heaviest offense in terms of called run plays. So Crazy. It all adds up. Everything adds up for Bijan Robinson to have an absolutely unbelievable year and be the best rookie since Saquon Barkley back in 2018. I, I think the other question that I really have about this tier when I'm looking at these guys, Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor have obviously been in the news lately field, and there's some uncertainty around yeah. these guys, but they're still both in tier two for now. I they think are. that's for now is the answer. Yeah, I think people are wondering, like, if you're drafting right this second, right now, if you're an early drafter, I think Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor both drop to the bottom of this tier. Yep. Easy case for Derrick Henry to be RB5 as opposed to RB7. As a matter of fact, even if Jacobs and Taylor were both at training camp right now, you can make a case for Derrick Henry at RB5 as opposed to RB7. So here's how we treat this, though, is that I think, think, when push comes to shove, Josh Jacobs is available week one for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that because while he hasn't yet signed that franchise tag tender, every game that he miss, misses, he's also missing out on a week worth of pay. Yep. And I get it. His goal is a much larger contract, but when the running back market doesn't seem to be moving very much. You may not be willing to miss out on even a couple weeks of pay. Saquon Barkley showed us that when he did that restructured deal with the Giants to be worth up to $11 million. So I think that Jacobs finds his way back. I think Jonathan Taylor finds his way back, Daniel, even though that situation is an absolute mess right now. I just don't know how cooler heads can't prevail when four months ago, The Colts were talking left and right about how they plan to extend Jonathan Taylor and how he is the foundation of their offense, how they need to have their edger and James to Anthony Richardson, right? Like that. And I I get it. Peyton Manning, all-time great quarterback, not going to put Anthony Richardson in that category yet. But what I'm saying is that part of what the Colts believed contributed to Peyton Manning's success was the fact that he had a Hall of Fame running back right next to him from the very second he stepped on the field in Indianapolis. I am not altering my ranking on either of those players for the moment. We're going to probably talk about this once a week. We might have to do a check-in. Once a week, we'll tell you, have we moved these guys down? Like Because if, if this continues to percolate and percolate and yeah. percolate, obviously you get more and more nervous. But until we're towards the end of August, I don't think the heat rises too much on moving these guys anywhere other than where they are right now. Okay. So that's our Tier 2 of of running backs, the elite running back ones. Let's move to the tier three field, which we have entitled fringe RB ones. Yep. I'm looking at this list. We start with Nick Chubb, have Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, and Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So all these guys, I think uh, check similar boxes in this regard. Workload looks extremely promising. Yep. Very talented players mm-hmm. um, with like one small limitation as opposed to the guys that we just discussed in those first two tiers, like those guys in the first two tiers, great players, great workload, great scoring upside, enough passing game utilization, or in the case of Derrick Henry, you know, just the most productive runner in the NFL for the past half decade. So all these players, 
If you decide to go with a wide receiver in round one or maybe even two receivers in round one and round two or Travis Kelsey plus a receiver, one of these guys could very easily be your top running back going into your week one uh, lineup. And I would feel really good about each one of them, Daniel. Tiny bit of limitation relative to the guys ahead of them. Sure. But yeah, I I feel like really solid about all of these guys. I want to ask you about Nick Chubb. I think he's the one that is the biggest question mark for me. And it's not a question mark, but it's just a question about the situation because we've seen what Nick Chubb can do when he's just left to be Nick Chubb, right? He's one of the best, if not the best pure runners in the NFL. But you talked yesterday about how the Browns want this to be a Deshaun led offense in a way that helps suits him. So how do these two guys, these two superstars, mesh together in this Browns offense that comes together from a positive fantasy perspective for yeah, us? Yeah, so like maybe the 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 Browns do gravitate a bit more toward, toward a bit more towards the Deshaun Watson offense as I was referring to. And maybe that impacts Nick Chubb a little bit negatively, but Just a little. like he's still Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. And like you can't take away the essence of what has made him so great. If you were to go check out his like season long finishes though throughout his career, like just, just pull up his, I'm just going to give you his, his, his annual stats, right? And you just look at what you're getting out of Nick Chubb. And in this, this silly game that we play, which is super unpredictable week in and week out, look at Nick Chubb's past four seasons, 1,494 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns. That's good. 1,067 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. That was in 12 games, 1,259 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns, 1,525 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns. That being said, if you look at his receiving, we're talking about over a full five-year career. Yep. He's averaging fewer than 25 receptions per season. So that's really what this comes down to for Nick Chubb. Over the past four years, he has two receiving touchdowns. Could right? that change? So, is that going to potentially change with Deshaun Watson under center? Or do you think that Nick Chubb is, is kind of the Nick Chubb that we think he is at this point? I think Nick Chubb is a capable receiver. I don't think he's like the most natural. This is not, you know, some of the guys that are ahead of him, right? This is not Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler in sure. terms of like receiving aptitude. Good enough, but I don't think that's the essence of what has made Nick Chubb great. So I think in a game that, again, I just mentioned is like pretty darn unpredictable. Yeah. Nick Chubb kind of delivers exactly what you expect, which is a guy who will be, you know, at the end of the season, probably somewhere between like RB5 in a best case scenario and like RB15 in a worst case scenario. Yeah. Really comfortable with Nick Chubb. Like he's just one of those guys that makes you feel good because, you know, from week one to week 18, Largely going to be available and largely going to deliver upon expectation. He's the unsexy but really dominant running back in a PPR league where you're like, yeah, he doesn't catch any passes, but he does everything else super well. Here's a question for you. In the last five years, how many times has Joe Mixon finished as a top 12 running back? Last five years. Five? Four times. Four. Yeah, I mean, talk about the, it. Yeah. I don't think Boring, that we right? realize. Yeah, I don't think we realize how good Joe Mixon is sometimes, maybe because he's not giving us top five finishes, but he is consistently in that top 12. I just think he's fantastic. Is there anything else left with his legal situation that I need to know about before we look at drafting him in fantasy? To my knowledge, uh, nothing there with Joe Mixon. I think the big thing with Mixon that was the question mark was his contract. And recently the Bengals and Joe Mixon agreed to a pay cut. Um, there was this feeling at the beginning of the offseason with all the deals that Cincinnati has to eventually sign yep. that maybe Joe Mixon could be one of the odd men out. Uh, instead, he uh, gets a deal to stick around for the next two years. But what should be a beefed up offensive line? What should be a very high scoring offense? He's going to catch, you know, 40 or 50 passes. Uh, Joe Mixon is not a super efficient runner, 
The Bengals are the pass heaviest offense in the NFL. Yep. He is extremely boring, but you just go ahead and look over the past four or five years, right? I mean, last year for Joe, 60 catches. The year before, 42 catches. The year before, he missed uh, all but six games. He had 21 catches. Like, he's a three to four per catch game kind of guy. Probably going to score around 10 touchdowns. Probably going to amass 11, 1,200 total yards. It's not going to be fun every single week. Um, It's going to be inefficient some weeks, but... I will take my chances on the guy who is the clear-cut RB1 because other than Chase Brown, who they drafted in the fifth Fifth, round out of Illinois, didn't make a bunch of big investments at that running back spot. Uh, In terms of guys that kind of just like held value all offseason, it's Joe Mixon is. Like where he started to where he is right now feels pretty much the exact same. And there was a time where it felt like Joe Mixon could be very vulnerable to either being cut or have somebody, maybe the the Bengals either sign somebody or potentially like made a a top three round investment in a running back, which would have changed the outlook at least a little bit. There was a time they were linked to Zeke Elliott as an example where you're like, if Zeke shows up, not good for Joe Mixon. So Joe just kind of like, steady as it comes for fantasy football. I will note that last year he did have one big outlier game, that 50 plus point game, but does skew the numbers a little bit from last season. That's part of the reason why he's at the bottom of this tier and not closer to the top. Hey, that's totally fair. All right, let's move on to tier four. These are strong RB2s. We're leaving the running back one territory field and we're getting into strong RB2s now. Your tier four starts with James Conner, has Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Kenneth Walker the third and Brees Hall. Those are the five running backs that are a part of your tier four. I guess I, I got some question marks. You and I see some differences on James Conner, and I think we both really like him as a player, but the Cardinals are likely going to start the season without Kyler Murray. And I expect there to be some like pretty big offensive limitations for these Arizona Cardinals because of that. Is this a scenario where you're looking at it saying, they're just going to rely on their lead back, man. They're just going to force feed him the ball, and he's the guy that you're going to give volume to if Kyler's not there. So right now, the, who is the best running back on the Cardinals not named James Conner? Oh, no. Right? Like can it's, I pass? It's, oh, yeah, you can pass. So a, a guy who I would say this offseason in a different universe could have had a much different outlook for fantasy instead seems to be in a pretty good spot. You used the word a minute ago, unsexy, to describe, I believe it was Nick Chubb, as an unsexy RB1. James Conner is the least sexy RB2 I've ever seen in my entire life. Incredibly boring, right? But if you're looking for something you can probably count on, kind of feels like it's James Conner. You mentioned how no Kyler Murray. When Kyler got hurt last year, it was right at the beginning of that game against the Patriots. So four total games beyond that for the Arizona Cardinals uh, that James Conner appeared in. His, here, here was his, out, his output during those four games. 15, okay. 16, 15 rushes. 15, 16, 15, 16. So, so he was very 15 consistent. 15 and a half yeah. rushing per, uh, rushes per game. Seven, five, eight, and three targets in those four games. So okay. do the math there. Quick math gets me to 23, 20, 23 targets. So nearly six a game as well. You know he's a good finisher. He's been a, he's had a high propensity for touchdowns. Yep. Feels to me, Daniel, that regardless of who is an under center at the beginning of the season for the Arizona Cardinals, right now the few things you can count on for this team. I think that James Conner is one of them. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the passing game will look like because yep. we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. I think this team is certainly going to struggle. Um, They're going to potentially be in the mix for the number one overall pick next year. But James Conner, very capable pass catcher. Yep. Good enough touchdown score. 
and the volume just seems excellent. Like, I don't know where they turn if it's not James Conner right now in that backfield. Keontae Ingram amongst the names that are still there. But, like, this is not a deep backfield. This is not a very talented offense. James Conner is, like, kind of like the survivor in this Arizona offense right now that it's going to be super boring. And I think that part of the draft strategy draft strategy with James Conner is that if you maybe took like a little bit of a swing for the fence mm-hmm. earlier in your drafts, right? If you were one of the people that drafts before we have clarity on Josh Jacobs uh, or Jonathan Taylor, it's August 20th. Both of those guys still aren't practicing, but you take one in the first round. Like that may be the person who doubles back with James Conner. Cause you're like, I might get nothing out of Josh Jacobs. So I'll, I'll just take the comfort of James Conner as opposed to some of the higher variance players that we're sure. going to talk about a little bit later. So some of this is draft strategy, right? Do I think that James Conner is going to be my RB 13 every single week in my weekly rankings? Probably not. I just think that his medium median outcome at the end of the season is yeah. like a solid RB two, even if it is incredibly boring, he's not a league winning back for me, Daniel, but when you're building your roster, like you can't only go for the swing for the fence type of players, right? You also can't go for the extremely boring type of players like James Conner, but he is an example of an extremely boring player that I'm just a bit higher on than it seems like consensus. Uh, James Conner never had a thousand yards rushing yep. as a really great pass catcher, never had 500 yards receiving. And in spite of those two things, he has been a top 10 running back in three of the the last five seasons field so so boring and it doesn't make again, a difference you if, don't if you're asking for a top ten, like if you're asking for a top 10 season right there are certain things that you need you don't need a thousand plus rushing yards pre, like you, you can don't. get there with 700 rushing yards and let's call it 50 catches or 60 catches for 400 yards yeah. right and the right touchdown 10 touchdowns like and i think that james connor kind of just checks all those boxes i don't think anybody's going to be leaving their draft and be like Let's go, baby. Yeah, I, agree. I got I mean, James, James Conner, Conner, right? But I think that also week seven might roll around and you're like, yeah, James Conner, just like, yeah, continuing to chug along. The Cardinals might be one in six or one in five at that point, but James Conner might be like, you know, 12th in the NFL in total touches and might have, you know, through six games, 29 catches. And you're like, that works. But it gets it's the totally job done fine. in fantasy, right? Maybe ugly, right? We used to talk about this with the Jaguars, bordered the way yeah, to it, that's right? right. It's not quite that but um volume matters good enough player 28 years old i know he feels like he's ancient and that may be getting close to ancient for running backs but i'm okay like i I think i'm i'm evidently higher on james connor than most hey that's all right you own that field yates uh two more questions in this tier and they're both injury related keep going i mean we got this is this is the meaty stuff this is let's talk through it did ken walker make this tier before the zach charbonnet injury he did yeah i feel good about ken walker here uh he was a player who uh, did take a hit this offseason because the seahawks used a you know a legitimate pick 41st overall on zach charbonnet imagine if zach charbonnet hadn't been drafted in the second round we will be talking about Kenneth Walker as a fringe top 10 running back. Yep. Charbonnet right now is injured. Uh, Pete Carroll, very coy about when he's going to be back. Just called it a shoulder injury. They don't know a whole lot about. Um, Wait, it, can, if you knew that, and we're not hoping this or guessing this, but if yeah. you knew that like Zach Charbonnet was going to miss this entire season, would Ken Walker be in the tier three of that fringe running back ones? He'd, yeah, he'd be tier three for me. He'd okay. be like probably RB 11 or 12, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, now the Seahawks will still they still have some depth in their backfield and sure. um 
Pete Carroll's always had like a back or two. He couldn't quit during the season, right? Like <laughs> Travis Homer was always kind of still floating around, right? Yep. Like Robert Turbin always kind of got his few carries here or there. And maybe that's what Kenny McIntosh or DJ Dallas is this year. But yeah, Ken Walker would be even higher if we find out that the prognosis is pretty bad here on Zach Charbonnet. But there's so much like with Kenneth Walker the Um He reminds me a little bit of what we talked about with Nick Chubb in the sense that like, he's probably a better pass catcher than the opportunities last year suggested he is. I don't think he's like a dominant pass catcher, but super explosive runner. It seems like the biggest two pieces of criticism uh, against Kenneth Walker. The third would be the potential that he's sharing the duties much more with Zach Charbonnet. Again, 41st overall people. This was not a fifth round pick on Zach Charbonnet. 41st overall is a guy that you kind of need to be a starter or close to it. Uh, That's a legitimate question mark. The second one is that um, there was a time early in Saquon Barkley's career where people who like really broke it down closely noticed that while his end of season rushing totals were really good, there was a bit of a propensity for it to be like big runs or two yards in a cloud of dust. And that seems to be one of the things that uh, has uh, been a a, a discussion point surrounding Kenneth Walker Walker. III this offseason is that like home runs or singles for Ken Walker. They want a few more doubles, like, you know, sort of in between runs here. That being said, Daniel, like rushing output is outstanding. This offense is going to be really good. And I get it. You might like to have a bit more consistency in like those middle tier runs, but I like 50 plus yard runs. Like I have no problem with Kenneth Walker. The third can rip off a, you know, 40 yard run every other game. Like I am good with that. So I've got him as RB 16, feel pretty good about him there. Uh, And I'll move him up certainly further. If uh, Charbonnet is diagnosed with something that's going to cost him legitimate time because uh, the Seahawks team is so good. And this offense, I mean, they could be humming, Makes, would surprise none of us if they're one of the five highest scoring, at least not me, yeah. one of the five highest scoring offenses in the NFL and kind of like how Joe Mixon's going to get a lot of good savory touches because of the offense around him. I think the same applies to Ken Walker III in Seattle. There's just so much that I was excited about pre-draft about Ken Walker III. We, Mike Clay and I worked on this file and we did it the week of the draft. We were doing breakout play. Uh, it was guys who were primed to take a leap or breakout players or something, something to that like effect. That. Yep. And we were working on it through the draft. We went back and forth. And it was one of those things that like the, the paragraphs after like the first five all kind of wove back to the first five paragraphs. And I had like this whole thing about Kenneth Walker, the <laughs> third, and then all of a sudden the Seahawks drives Zach Charbonnet and we had to redo like, the entire great. file. Yeah. Like Mike was like, seriously, dude, like really? And thanks. Like, yes, really, Mike. Really? I'm sorry. So uh, blame Pete Carroll and John Schneider for drafting Zach Charbonnet. It's not my fault they use a second round pick on him. He was the starting running back starting in week six from week six to week 17. Yeah. He averaged 16 fantasy points per game. That would have been running back eight at the end of the year. And the Seahawks used a second round pick on a guy we know they're going to get involved. So Kenneth Walker is a tough one for me because everything that you're saying, I'm with you on. There's so much talent. We saw the opportunity that was there. It's just Figuring out what's it going to look like with someone else there in the backfield. Brees Hall is the last one I have a question on. Two things working against him, right? It's coming back from the the ACL tear, being on PUP, and potentially Dalvin Cook. Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one because uh, it sounds like Dalvin Cook got a real chance of happening. Yeah. And if Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets, this number RB17 is going to become probably like... How far will he 22, fall? 22, 23? Yeah. Just because what it does is not only takes away the workload, but it emboldens the Jets to be way more careful with him. Right. If they sign Dalvin Cook, maybe Brees Hall is more like a 12 to 13 touch per game kind of guy because Dalvin Cook is still good. Um, but second of all, if the Jets are like, 
all right, we're not totally sure that we want Brees Hall to like play a ton out of the gates. The first couple of weeks, they can be very, very careful with him. Right. Um, but until that happens, I kind of had to hold steady with Brees Hall. Yeah. But even if that doesn't happen, Daniel, this ACL recovery is something that certainly has piqued my interest in terms of how to value him. You know, Stefania will be back soon. She's on her camp door, and we'll have plenty of thoughts from Stefania in regards to not just Brees Hall, but also Javante Williams. Um, I'm going to speak a little bit out of turn, but just note that, like, Brees Hall's ACL injury sounded better as far as, like, ACL tears then, go than yep. Javante Williams did. Um, but still, it's an ACL tear. We've seen a lot of guys. Star players. Saquon Barkley was not the same guy the first year post ACL. So some of this is it. Like, I would say that the word that comes to mind when ranking Brees Hall is hedging. Yeah. Right. Fully healthy. Brees Hall would probably be RB eight or nine for me. Fully healthy. Brees Hall without Dalvin. Without Cook, Dalvin. Yeah. RB eight, RB nine beyond that. You're like, I, I just don't know how you can like all these things you have to consider. I don't know how you can say with certainty what Brees Hall is the health the Dalvin cook factor, like those two things alone are like, those are significant forces. So I feel like I'm hedging on Brees hall. My guess is he does not finish the season as RB 17. This is not exactly the same thing as Anthony Richardson, but like it's hard to plant your flag on one side of the argument or other, because there are so many uncontrollable and unforeseen factors right now. So I landed on RB 17, Daniel, but this is a player who I am planning on moving up or down over the next month based off what unfolds, both in terms of Hall's recovery and also Dalvin Cook's potential signing. Absolutely. If Hall gets, if Hall ends up coming back and is fully healthy by the time he reached the regular season and the Jets did not sign Dalvin Cook, he will be higher than running back 17 on this no list. No doubt. And by the sure. way, while it certainly seems like Dalvin Cook could sign with the Jets, it hasn't happened yet, right? Again, right? Obviously, as we know, with running backs right now, it's uh, it's tricky. They want a lot of money, and it doesn't seem like the league is prepared to pay them a bunch of money. Yep. All right, let's move on to our Tier 5 here. Potential RB2s with questions, Field Yeast. Yes. This one, I think, is my favorite tier. There's Probably a lot of questions. Everybody. Yeah, rip through as many as you All want right. here. 18 through 24, we've got Jameer Gibbs, Alexander Madison, Alvin Kamara, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Rashad White, and David Montgomery. Yep. First pair of teammates yeah. makes the list field. Do you think there's enough work for you to leave your draft with either one of those Lions running backs as your RB2? Uh, there is, but... Obviously, you'd rather have Jameer Gibbs than David Montgomery. I, I would prefer Jameer Gibbs to David Montgomery. I've got Gibbs as RB18, Montgomery as RB24 for those that are listening and not watching right now. Uh, there is, assuming the Lions follow what I believe the plan should be, right? And uh, if you've listened to any of the Lions talks uh, after the draft, one thing has become extremely clear. They felt like Jameer Gibbs added something to this offense yep. that they lacked and that is very hard to find. Uh, Dan Campbell was in New Orleans when Alvin Kamara was at the beginning of his career. Dan Campbell has made that comparison. He's talked talked about it on part of my take on Monday, like that Alvin Kamara has this like cerebral nature to his game that allowed him to do so much stuff in the passing game that Jameer Gibbs kind of brings to the table as well. The way that Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery pay off is as follows. Gibbs mashes in the passing game. Yep. And I just think that when you look at the Lions wide receiver depth chart, especially with Jamison Williams out for the first six weeks, 
pretty reasonable path for Jameer Gibbs to be the second or third leading receiver in this offense from the very beginning. Yep. And you know he's going to be incredible in space. David Montgomery just has to lead the team in rushes and get half of what Jamal Williams got at the goal line last year. Oh my gosh. And if you got way, half of that, yeah, it stands to, I mean, when you go back and look at Jamal Williams's <laughs> goal line, our goal to go touches last year, it's, it's so far off the charts that yeah. like getting half is actually still great. Um, that's all it takes. This awesome offensive line that should be able to run the football a ton. David Montgomery will get a little bit of work in the passing game. Um, this has a chance, I think to be sort of similar a souped up version of what they had last year, not mm-hmm. souped up in the sense that David Montgomery is going to have more rushing touchdowns than Jamal Williams, but he'll be a better like week in week out performer for fantasy. You know, Jamal Williams was great, but there'd be like games with zero catches and games with like 22 rushing yards where in non PPR scoring is just unplayable. There's right. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a bit more consistent there. And then I think Jameer Gibbs, one of my favorite players in the entire draft who even though he went sooner than we prognosticated, like impossible to tackle, has so much upside. And if he sniffs, sniffs an Alvin Kamara role, I mean, this guy could be the fantasy steal amongst running backs in this tier. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. And this Lions running back duo with the way that that offensive line that they have that is one of the best offensive lines in football. And you yep. know that they want to run the football, right? They like that's the thing. mash on offense. And they play in a division that I would not exactly say is like a bunch of not defensive heavy hitters, yes. right? Yeah. Like Green Bay kind of like less than the sum of their parts, right? Chicago on the way up, but still a work in progress defensively. Minnesota, a team that <laughs> could stop anybody last year. So six of your games for Detroit should be, you know, games that you feel really good about your offense scoring a bunch of points in. And that's just at minimum. It really does feel like they found two guys to full on replace. And I don't want to say, like you said, it's it's not trying to say that they're better than the last two, but yeah. Jameer Gibbs should no, I, be I a better, better version of DeAndre no, Swift. I think I think David Montgomery He's a, certainly a better pass catcher for sure. I think he's a better player in total than Jamal Williams. I agree with that. I think Jamal Williams is a good player too, obviously. And I think that Jameer Gibbs' ceiling is higher than DeAndre Swift's ceiling. I agree with that. There's a reason why he went 12th overall. Um, special. Like, put aside whether he was taken too soon or not, Daniel. He was unbelievable in space. Like, go back and watch Georgia Tech film. Go back and watch Alabama from last year. This guy's ridiculous. Like, I don't always love invoking comparisons to guys who have been as good as Alvin Kamara have been on the field, right? Yeah. But I'll do it, right? Like, if Dan Campbell's willing to do it, I'm willing to meet Dan Campbell uh, with that comparison and say that, yeah, that's special. And you could get something special from Jameer Gibbs, and it might happen right away amazing play caller as well so the stars kind of aligned for this to be an absolute smash backfield all right let's talk about alexander madison i want to i want to dive in a little bit here because i think this is mostly an anecdotal conversation field right yeah because we've seen alexander madison do things when dalvin cook went out right yep this is a stat we've used a couple of times on this podcast shout out to thirsty kyle for getting this to us before we left in seven career games with 15 plus touches Madison has averaged 16 fantasy points per game. Again, that would have been running back eight last year. And in those seven games, he's averaged over 120 yards from scrimmage. So my question is, he's been filling in as the RB1 for Dalvin Cook. He's literally given us RB1 weeks when filling in for Dalvin Cook, right? Is he going to continue to get these touches that he saw when filling in? Dalvin Cook over the last five years, averaging 20.5 touches per game. Yep. So... 
I feel like we're, I don't want to say we're too low, but I feel like Alexander Madison is a guy that we are hedging our bets on because it's like, we've seen it in that small sample size. Yeah. And if you extrapolate that over a full season, Alexander Madison could be a top 12 running back, but right Maybe, now yeah. we're all in the, you know, mid mid tier RB two running back 16 to running back 21, 22. Where are you at on Alexander Madison? Got an RB 19. So again, okay. he, he's right there in the bottom end of the RB two conversation, RB two with questions. Here's the question on Alexander Madison is how good is he, right? That's the question that we don't have the answer over to. a full season. I think we know how good he is in small sample size. Yeah, people want to know how big, how good he is over the course of a full season as a full-time starter. And does he have, how long is the leash here, right? Are they going to turn to Ty Chandler a bit more? Or are we going to see Dwayne McBride play at all, the rookie they drafted late this year, right? Um, because if you put aside, like, that part of it, yep. which is a big part of it, of course, but you're just like, okay, so really good offense, probably going to have a really good role. Yep. Pretty darn good player in terms of pedigree, third-round pick, right? And the Vikings paid him... Real money, two years, seven million bucks. I know it doesn't sound like a ton, but for running backs, that's, that's a lot. It's a reasonable contract. Yep. When they were tight this offseason, you're just like, all right, yeah. And they keep saying he's a starter. Like, it, I, I don't want to overthink it much more than that, Daniel. The reason why he's at RB19 as opposed to RB10, 11, 12 is that we just don't know. Like, I think he's not Dalvin Cook. The question is what percentage of Dalvin Cook are you getting? And I'm kind of forecasting like, 70 to 80 percent which is why he ends up as rb19 for me i don't want to overthink it too much with alexander madison like if it turns out he's not very good it's just as much of like a misread on the vikings part as it is on our part right i mean they could have easily let him walked in free agency and found somebody else for similar money yeah or used a more premium pick in the draft on a running back no they made a concerted effort to re-sign alexander madison like three months before they cut Dalvin Cook, right? Like Dalvin at that point was still on their roster and there was a chance he stuck around. They decided to pay him that $7 million. So Madison to me feels like a guy that uh, the Vikings have shown enough confidence in that I think RB9, 19, excuse me, is a very reasonable amount of confidence to show in him as well. I love him as a potential RB2 if you're waiting a low end RB2. I think there is upside with there with from him as well because of what we've seen. Yeah. I want to ask you about Alvin Kamara. Are we, am I going to hear about a potential suspension or non-suspension by the time that I hit my fantasy drafts? If you are waiting until the end of this month, I think you will have a bit more clarity. Shefty, again, tweeting this morning, noted that uh, he is meeting is Alvin Kamara uh, with the commissioner today. Him and Roger Goodell are in New York City talking today. Okay. Um, there was a plea agreement reached by Alvin Kamara back in July, so he's no longer facing a felony charge for his role in that fight the day before the Pro Bowl back in February of 2022. Okay. He is still going to be subject to the NFL's personal conduct policy potentially if he is or if he is found to have violated that he could be out for multiple games there are some been, been some indications from the saints at least that that could be the case both in signing jamal williams and also drafting kendra miller okay so that's a perfect lead into this my yeah. second question is this now more of a committee than it's been in the last in past years um, i think if camara is cleared i think it's not really a committee okay. like it wouldn't surprise me i think jamal williams will fill a very specific role kind of mark ingram like role in new orleans Pete Carmichael still there as the offensive coordinator. The only system that like hasn't changed all that much over the past 20 or so years. Um, I think there's a chance that Kendra Miller is going to be a really good player for them, but um, I don't know. These are guaranteed to play a role right now, okay. right? Like I think they're it, part of that was the hedge against something happening to Alvin Kamara. And also just the idea that like, at some point this team is going to have to continue to make really difficult choices against the salary cap 
One of them is going to be Alvin Kamara because he's making a ton of money at a position where the league has devalued. So Kamara, I had to put it RB20 for now, Daniel, because there is the real chance he is suspended. If we get some clarity there, he'll end up closer to like RB14, 15 for me, maybe even RB13 at the top of that strong RB2 tier because as we know, if you just let him catch passes, he is and that's he's he, he is part of the Austin Eckler Christian McCaffrey yeah. class of elite pass catching running backs. Is this then do you have him in tier five with the baked in thought that he's going to miss some time or is this a yeah, this is baked in like okay. I, I wanted to put him in his own tier which is not like, sure yet on our note which no one can see this I have four asterisks next <laughs> yeah. to Alvin Kamara's name because I wanted to account for the possibility that he is not playing week one and if he's not then obviously a big big hit to his value this season all right let's move ahead and talk tier six running back twos with something going right you want to do that right after we uh talk to Geico Let's talk about Geico first. Okay, let's do this real quick. Because Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I'd love that. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win with big money lines, props, parlays, and more. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code FFF. That's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casinos and Charlestown Races. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort and Casino in Kansas. Excuse me. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right, field. Tier six, running back twos with something going right. A bunch of question marks in this one as well. Yeah, five and six might be the most interesting tiers here, Daniel, because it gets to the point where I think like what two people who analyze fantasy see in two players could be very, very, very different. different. I'm so, with you. Some, some guys that... Uh, I tell you what, I have agonized over where I have them ranked for quite some time. All right, at 25, we have J.K. Dobbins, 26, Isaiah Pacheco, 27, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers at 28, Javante Williams, who we mentioned earlier at 29, and then Dalvin Cook. A lot of question marks there. He comes in at 30. I'm going to start at the top. I think there are are literally question marks about every single one of these running backs. J.K. Dobbins, here's the thing. J.K. Dobbins is so hard for me because he is unbelievably elite i feel like as a runner yep. when he's healthy he's uh second amongst running backs with 5.9 yards per carry since entering the league 5.9 yeah that is unreal but he doesn't catch passes he's missed more games than he's played he has two games with more than 20 fantasy points he's never field never hit 20 touches in a game yeah. as a running back that's one of those numbers that we look at where it's like if you can get 20 touches we know you're good jk dobbins has never been there and he skipped mandatory mini camp there's all the tra- the contract stuff how are you approaching jk yeah that you, you summarize pretty much all the important things here as far as talent goes he's way higher than rb 25 yes. if i were to do my own list of just best running backs 
much closer to like 15 than he is 25. You mentioned all the mitigating factors, Daniel, on top of the fact that Gus Edwards is back and healthy. And whether you love Gus Edwards or not, the Ravens love Gus Edwards. Yeah. And by the way, in a prior role, like when he was healthy, Gus Edwards was very, very good for Baltimore. You have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that even if he throws the ball more this year than prior seasons is the best runner we've ever seen at the position. And just go look at the quarterbacks that are elite runners and go see how often they are throwing to running backs. Right. Quarterback scrambles or quarterback designed runs are often replacing targets to running backs in an offensive system. It's yep. just how it goes. J.K. Dobbins, 25 catches in 23 games. As you said, he does not catch passes. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look at Lamar Jackson's time as the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, no running back has really caught passes consistently. There was one year where Mark Ingram, I think, turned five of his 25 catches into receiving touchdowns, and it was like, wow, he mashed. That's an outlier season, right? Sure. Like, their most receiving yards in a season from running back with Lamar was like Buck Allen, like five years ago. It's just not a part of their offense in the same way that like in a Tom Brady offense, he is going to target running backs or did for 20 years all the time. And so the, yeah, RB 25, he will have weeks where he's above that. He sure. will also have weeks where he's RB 40 because while he gets 17 carries, he turns them into 77 yards or 85 yards, totally respectable, five yards a carry, but zero touchdowns and one target. Right. That's not going to get it done for me. It just he, he there are certain boxes that he boxes that he checks. He's an outstanding talent, but there are certain really key boxes that he does not check that just create a much safer floor for guys that are in a tier ahead of him. I would love to if he was had been able to be on the field a little bit more often too. It would feel easier to be more excited about that potential there. But again, he's just missed so much time as well. Let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco next. Yeah, kind of reminds me. Same Dude, thing. So hard to figure out though because this Chiefs offense is dope, right? <laughs> like they're they're going to be so good. They're going to score so many points. Likely yeah. one of the best offenses in the league, but. This Chiefs offense wouldn't know a traditional goal line play if it went up and punched him in the butt field. Correct. That would hurt, by the way. Well, potentially. Like, if you're Isaiah Pacheco, you need to score touchdowns or you need to catch passes. Guess what he's not doing in this Chiefs offense? He's not catching passes because Jarek McKinnon is still there. Yep. Jarek McKinnon is still there. Isaiah Pacheco had a total of 13 catches last year on 14 targets. And when your catch percentage is that high, it means that most of it's just sort of dump off stuff, right? It's not. He played all 17 games, right? That's not missing 17 games and he had 13 catches. So he became the starter in the playoffs for the Chiefs. That's really good. Or he became the starter down the stretch. But in three playoff games, he had 37 carries. 37 carries in three playoff games. Not a bad number, Daniel, but just over 12 per game. And all right, we're baking in the possibility that he becomes a better player in year two, even though he was solid in year one. Not denying that at all. Right. We'll see some improvement from Isaiah Pacheco, but he's coming off his shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Last year, even though he feels like a lost cause, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire missed a ton of time. Like he could have a little bit of a role. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon. He's obviously going to catch a lot of passes in this Chiefs offense. At the goal line, goal line opportunities don't seem to matter as much in Kansas City as they do elsewhere because Patrick Mahomes could literally throw a pass to the punter somehow. Andy Reid might catch three touchdown passes this year. (laughs) I'm not ruling it out, right? Like anything could happen with Kansas City on the goal line. I like Isaiah Pacheco, hard-charging, no-nonsense runner. I mentioned this with the 49ers, though, at the beginning of this running back conversation. The Chiefs need 21 games or 20 games out of their team this year, right? They, If they want to be judicious, they'll be judicious. Oh, by the way, we're already hearing 
Of all the undrafted free agent buzz we've been hearing, the one we've heard the most is Daenerys Prince, I, yeah. a Tulsa undrafted free agent running back who I saw one Chiefs beat writer say is a lock to make the roster already. Really? The Chiefs will be judicious in the running backs, amongst the running backs, because they can, Daniel. They don't need to ride one guy because you know what? When you have Patrick Mahomes, your floor is like 12 wins. Uh-huh. They roll out of bed and win 12 games a season. That's how good they are. So while I want to get more excited about Isaiah Pacheco, I like him more as a player than I do as a fantasy asset. I think there is definitely a top 18 or so outcome for him. I just don't know that I am certain the Chiefs are going to ride him every single week to the way uh, to the effect that you would need to justify him being like a top 15 weekly play for 17 weeks because maybe at the beginning of the season they take it easy on him coming off of that shoulder surgery. Sure. And there may be weeks where he's going to have, uh, you know, they may find a way to be able to manufacture multiple touchdowns for him. Like that's, I, he needs to be able to get in the end zone. But all the things that you've laid out is the reason why he is in this tier six. A lot of things to like about him as a player. I think that's a perfect way to put it. I really like him as an NFL player, but as a fantasy player for my team, there are some question marks that I don't love because of the opportunity and situation. All these guys fit into that category, by Actually, the way. Yeah, right. they're, they're RB2s if something goes right. In the case of Isaiah Pacheco, what needs to go right right is i think one of two things three things stays healthy for the full season sure or gets much better carry load than i'm expecting like 15 to 18 per game or scores 10 rushing touchdowns it's actual goal line like, work and the they're chiefs not say he's our guy at the goal line yep. even though again like I, I think they'll find a way for everybody to be their guy at the goal line because that's what they have done for the past five seasons yeah all right, I'm going to move on. DeAndre Swift, yep. another guy. He kind of reminds me of J.K. Dobbins a little bit, right? Not not in yeah. a, totally the same, but he's in an offense now that reminds me of him. Swift is an elite pass catcher, not like J.K. Dobbins. Yep. But now he is, like you had talked about, not with Jared Goff, a guy who was not a super mobile quarterback where Jared Goff would dump it off. He is now with Jalen Hurts, who yep. uses his legs and wants to get out and run and scramble. He's also probably, what, the number three three guy at the goal line behind Jalen Hurts and Rashad Penny? I would think so. Yep. So when you look at DeAndre Swift, we know how good he is as a pass catcher, all the things he can bring to you and help you win a week just from a PPR perspective. But what is it about DeAndre Swift in this Eagles offense that we're looking for as fantasy managers for him to be a potential RB2 for us? All right. So when a guy with this talent, 34th overall pick, a guy that we've seen be a really good player before, when he gets traded to a team that seems to have the pixie dust, it makes you think about the optimistic side. Sure. Right? It's the Eagles. Everything they touch turns to gold, it seems, these days, right? They've made Jalen Hurts into one of the best players in the entire NFL when some thought, I mean, there were t- there was a time during the pre-draft process where he was at least being asked, like, are you considering working out at running back or wide receiver, right? So this team has the, I would say, like the cachet that when they acquire somebody, you think best case scenario. With DeAndre Swift, though, the question is just, can he stay healthy? Is he going to catch enough passes because the Eagles did not throw the ball a ton to their starting running back last year, Miles Sanders. He had a total of 20 catches in 17 games. Yep. Beyond that is Rashad Penny going to be the, t- the player that ends up leading them in both rushing attempts and goal line carries, at least amongst the non Jalen Hurts players. Yeah. So yeah, um, talent wise, big fan of DeAndre Swift. Love him. Really smart trade by the Eagles. They gave away very little to acquire him, but it's not as if there are like, there are enough things working against him 
that RB27, which is where I have him, seems reasonable given how up and down he has already been in his career. He has missed at least three games in every single year of his career. Last year with the Detroit Lions, he averaged 10 and a half touches per game. If I knew that that number was higher, I'd be more excited about it. But part of it was the Lions trying to keep him healthy. So possibility of missing games, possibility of Rashad Penny leading the team in total touches, possibility of Jalen Hurts stealing most of the goal line work, possibility of Kenneth Gainwell being a factor in the passing game. All those things contribute to where I have DeAndre Swift. Field, we are are quickly running out of time. We could talk about running backs for forever. There's two more I really want to talk about, but let's just make sure we mention Dalvin Cook here. If Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets, just like Brees Hall, if if he signs, yeah. Brees Hall's moving down. Yeah. Is Dalvin Cook moving up this list? He'll be up a little bit. I kind of pre-bake him. Uh, so yeah, RB30, like not too much more than RB30 for Dalvin Cook, maybe more towards the top of this tier, like maybe RB26 behind J.K. Dobbins. Okay. Um, but I think I would wait until I hear the contract details and what the jets are saying about that signing. We signed Dalvin, by the way, we think Brees Hall might be, you know, maybe he's a month away mm-hmm. or we signed Dalvin cook. Brees Hall is still the guy. Those two paths could change my outlook on how I feel about Dalvin cook. Sure. A lot of uncertainty there trying to figure that one out. Yep. All right, let's move ahead. Tier seven. will be quick with this yeah, one. Let's at least look at these final two tiers, Daniel, to give it people, give people a sense of where things are at. This is kind of where we're at in the flex option. These are strong flex options for us. Tier seven. We got four guys. Yep. James cook, yep. AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, both commanders running backs. Yeah, I feel really good. Yeah, my, my favorite of these four, by the way, I mean, probably James Cook, but uh, Antonio Gibson uh, sounds like there's a lot of buzz that Antonio Gibson is going to be a much more prominent part of the passing game, which stands the reason because he played wide receiver in college. Oh, wow. um, we just didn't see it consistently enough last year. Um, so I think that the, the, the commander's offense has you know a lot of good vibes right now with Eric Bieniemy should be a much better operation uh, in general. Um, but these are four guys that I think are going to have a workload every single week that you can count on. I just don't know that it's going to be like 20, like Brian Robinson might have 18 carries a game. He also might have 18 catches for the entire season. Right. Antonio Gibson might have 50 catches over the course of the full season, but he might only have 115 carries. So um, it's kind of a balancing act for these four players, uh, guys that I think probably, um, you know, best suited on the bench. James Cook is the breakout player of these four players because while Buffalo did sign Damian Harris and Latavius Murray and still has Josh Allen, Cook the most investment out of those three running backs in Buffalo. He was a second round pick last year during a time in which a lot of people felt like they could go a million different directions at the at the in the draft, and they had some bigger roster needs. But Cook, a very very talented pass catcher. I have Dalvin and James Cook back to back in my rankings. Didn't realize that till right oh, now. I didn't realize that either. Look at that field, did you, little did, brotherly love. Did you know that? Uh, did you, do you know Dalvin's full name? No, I assumed it was Dalvin. Uh, Dalvin James Cook. Stop it. Do you know it's, James' full name? Stop it. It's not James Dalvin. It is. No, it's not. James Dalvin Cook. Is that wow. great or what? That is that. Why, I wonder. I wonder why. I don't know. I parent preference. Because the problem is when the parent. Well, this is the problem with the parents' preference. When you get in trouble, the middle name comes out. Uh, but when yeah. I'm the other brother, yeah. it's like your middle name is the trouble name is my first name. You know, I've kind of always laughed. People, you know, I have a very unique and in some people's eyes weird name. And like when I was a kid, I get a lot of flack for it. And I, my, my response is always the same. Like people are like, yeah, what a dumb name that is, Field. And I'd say like, just just a heads up. Like I had no authority in the matter. Yeah, I, I didn't right? choose this. Like, I was, I don't know. Like it took me two and a half years to pronounce my own name. Right. And I like. I had nothing to do with this. If you don't like it, take it up with my parents. I'm right. sure they'd have a great case as to why they named me Field. That's so good. I love your, but for the record though, Field Minister is a pretty strong, like, first middle. Mother's maiden name. I always want to clarify that because people are like, oh, 
I like, think that's dope. Would, would you like to like be the up minister at my wedding upcoming? It's would like, you no, like to bless my like child? That. I'm like, I actually I am ordained in Massachusetts, so I can do it in Massachusetts. Really? Yeah, I got my my best friend his, and and wife. Uh, I was the I served as the officiant of their wedding. Stop Two of them actually. It. it was great. That's incredible. Are you, are they and they're still married? Oh uh, yeah. Two successful marriages. Both of them had a kid within the first year. If you were looking to get married and have a child in the, in the first, first year, year in, field Ma- in Massachusetts only, though, okay. for right now. All right. All I right. could probably, I think the paperwork's pretty simple for Connecticut. Let's uh, let's move ahead and look at tier eight. This last tier you have for us, field possible flex plays, but with a catch. Yeah. And so here's what I would say. We're starting to get to the point, Daniel, where it's like a lot of things need to go right. Mm-hmm. I talked about this a few shows back. 17 game players versus guys that can help you for a pocket of games, right? Yep. Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert, play on the exact same team. Their role could be the exact same week in and week out. Or it could be that week one, Jeff Wilson Jr. has 15 carries. Raheem Mostert has four. And then week two, Raheem Mostert has 15 carries and Jeff Wilson has four. If you go back and track their workload last season when they were on the field together after the trade for Jeff Wilson, that's about how things played out. Like You just didn't know what you were getting out of them week in and week out. Rashad Penny, probably the favorite flyer here because... Awesome, awesome player when he's healthy. Rarely healthy. Right. Not going to impact the passing game very much. Playing behind a just dominant offensive line. If Rashad Penny gets 220 carries in that Philadelphia offense, he'll way outperform his ADP right now. Way outperform it. But can you count on that? That's the, that is the question. And I want to say this about uh, Rashad Penny. Last year, Miles Sanders... We all talk about Jalen Hurts touchdowns, right? Yeah. Miles Sanders still had 11 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, they set the record for most over the course of a full season playoffs included did Philly with in terms of rushing touchdowns. Uh, and then Samaji Pierre, I'm worth mentioning. This could change so much. Oh, yeah. We get more information on Javante Williams. The problem is Javante Williams is on the field for week one. I don't know how there's a role for Samaji Pirine. If we find out that the Broncos plan to slow play with, with Javante Williams, which right now does not seem to be the case. Then all of a sudden, Samaje P. Ryan for the first three weeks of the season could be like a top 25 back. So um, pocket players versus full season players. I'd be surprised if either of those two veterans becomes the guy from Miami. I think they're splitting it. And Samaje P. Ryan might be the guy, but for like a month. Rashad Penny might be the guy, but for three weeks. So right. it's this is the point where you have to expect that these players may provide you some value pinpointing the specific weeks in which they provide you value is the challenge. These are guys that you really have to manage during the season, as opposed to players at the top of this board where you draft them, you play them and you expect fantasy goodness week in and week out. All right. I want to close this out with two questions. Yep. A couple of running backs that didn't make the list. I noticed notably Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. If they sign with teams, are they going to come into one of these two tiers? Does it make a difference what team they sign with? It does. It does make a difference of who they sign with. If Zeke were to sign with the, Patriots or the Cowboys, the two teams that it feels like he's most closely associated with right now, sure. I think he'll end up right around where Dalvin Cook is, RB30. Okay. Um, if Zeke were to sign somewhere else where it felt like he was more accessory than he was like big part of the backfield, it'll be lower than that. Leonard Fournette, because there's been so little interest in him, I haven't been able to put together like a rational expectation for where he should be. The good news with Fournette is that he is an awesome pass catching back when he gets those opportunities. So I've got my eyes open there. One thing to keep in mind with all these veteran running backs is that it may take into the season for these guys, for these guys to sign, right? Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. I think Cook and Zeke probably signed before then. Yeah. But Hunt and, El- and, and, and Fournette may say, I'm just going to wait for the first injury. And then all of a sudden the interest will be much more significant for me than it is right now. Sure. 
All right, last question is you got two lions on here, but Pride of Kutztown University, Craig Reynolds did not crack this right, list. So, uh, on that? Friday, we're going to be doing our players that weren't ranked um, that I have a serious regret with. Because okay. we'll have my All play right. on That's the show. Fair. So, That's yeah, Craig That's Reynolds, <laughs> sorry, buddy. I'm sorry we missed you there. Uh, this was great, Field. There's a, a ton of running backs, of backs. And, and we are going to talk about these guys continually throughout the offseason. I just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a, a baseline to okay, work with. Okay, quick idea, actually. Do me a favor if you're listening field at fantasyfocus.org. Email me there. If there are questions so far that we haven't answered about backs or quarterbacks Love that it. you want to have field at fantasyfocus.org, send an email there. And on Friday, we're going to try to maybe do some leftover things, depending on how a couple other parts of the schedule shake out. But like, if there are names that you feel like didn't have time to get to today, field at fantasyfocus.org. Love it. In the meantime, go check out the ESPN NFL YouTube. Subscribe. ESPN NFL YouTube. Right. Do us a favor there. We'll be on that uh, that feed every single day on top of our usual podcast spots and everywhere else that you get your content here from the Fantasy Focus. We are back tomorrow talking wide receivers. Yeah. Wide receiver rankings. Lots of questions around what is probably the deepest position in all fantasy football. For Daniel, I'm Field. Mike and Stefania coming soon here on the Fantasy Focus. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Calvin Johnson, wide receiver six. How dare you have him that low? low? Yeah, man, that's tough. What are you going to do? Beard, I'm telling you